Step one, wake up early, gon' rise with the sun. Step two, get some good, some food in you. Step three, think grow hard about what you wanna be. Step four, fuck everybody, just do your thing. Wake up, today's gonna be a good day. Wake up, today's gonna be a good day. Wake up, today's gonna be a good day. Wake up. What is going on guys? It's a great day with Bobby Walker and my friend Peter Hinchy that you're going to meet here in just a little bit on the journey of a new entrepreneur podcast. It's been a little while and it's going to be a little while again because life's happening and I'm just not getting these things pumped out as as normal as I would like. But I will tell you this, I always love doing it. I always love connecting uh, with my listeners and this is a great one. The reason this podcast is happening is this is a phenomenal guest that has a, a, a ton of value to add for my audience. And I've actually been trying to get him on my show for probably two or three stinking years. And the guy just keeps standing <laughs> me up. He's a little snooty and he just doesn't hang out with the, the low lowlifes like me. But I happened to reach out to him or he reached out to me. I can't remember the other day we were talking and he goes, Bobby, I owe you a podcast. And I was like, you're damn right you do, Peter. So <laughs> before I introduce you to this friend, he's got a couple of uh, couple of businesses. He's going to talk to us about some amazing success that he's had in the home service industry. And we're even going to talk about a business that he didn't have a great deal of success. Because as he put it, uh, I think he said something like failure has been the greatest teacher he's had in his life. So we're going to learn some amazing things. But before we do, I've got to tell you about the most amazing tool that you can have in your business. And it's called Responsibid. Now you might say, Bobby, what is Responsibid? Well, it's a few things, but if I dumbed it down, I would say this. It's a tool and it's an employee for your business that knows how to quote things accurately every time. It never forgets. Um, how to do it. It never forgets to follow up. It never sleeps. It can give quotes 24 hours a day. But the beautiful thing is, is this same tool will go with your sales reps if they do quotes in person. It helps you quote in person in the same way it can help you quote over the phone or on your website. So if I was going to sum it up, what Responsibid is, is it's a bolt-on to your CRM. It's the sales system for your business that's going to let you make more money with less effort and higher average ticket prices because it combines all of the proper techniques and the packages and the bundles and the psychology and the proper follow-up and all of it's freaking automated. It's a beautiful thing. I've been using it for about five years in my, uh, my business, first business and we've been using it for at least a year or two in the other business now. Responsibid, I can't say enough about it. And here's the bottom line. It's a 10 to 1 ROI guarantee. If you sign up with Responsibid and you don't get a 10 to 1 return on what you're paying them, you don't pay for it. That's how confident they are. So go check them out. You can go to jnebid.com. So that's J-N-E, like Journey of a New Entrepreneur, B-I-D, like Responsibid.com. Check them out. Tell them Bobby sent you. And uh, if you don't do it, hey, I don't mind. Just a couple of years from now, when you do end up doing it, I'm going to tell you, told you so, just like everyone else, I say that too. When they come to me and say, I should have listened to you a couple of years, Bobby. But that's Responsibid. We love those guys. Go check them out. Peter freaking Hinchy. <laughs> What's how, up, Bobby? How are you doing, my friend? I'm well, man. I'm well. It's great to speak with you. And thank you for having me on here, man. You bet, man. It's good to hear your voice. You know, we, we used to talk a lot more frequent. And uh, haven't, yeah. gosh, it's probably been a stinking year since we, we have spoke, I think. It's been a little while. but It's been um, a minute, man, yeah. 
But uh, you're someone, you know, I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself, but I do want to say to the to the audience, you know, Peter, now he might be one of those guys that looks younger than he is. I don't know. But he's definitely, <laughs> you know, he's had a, he's a very impressive person that, um, Peter, one thing I like about you is even though you do things that like feel good and you do things that are fun, you're one of the people, and I mean this, I'm not kidding as much, you know, we haven't talked for about a year, but you're one of the people that when I'm like maybe struggling with discipline or wanting to make like the adult decision on something, I may not make the right decision, but before I made the wrong one, I've thought of Peter Hinchy and I've felt bad about myself because I know I'm not doing what he probably would have done. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I say that actually in sincerity, Peter, I, I have a great deal of respect for you just as a person, a father, as a business owner, and I'm super excited to have, have you on. So why don't you take sure. a minute or two, kind of give the, the audience a little update on who you are. Oh shoot. I just remembered one cool tidbit. I want to throw out there before. Okay. You the first time I ever even heard of saw or met Peter was actually in New Orleans in 2017, he spoke. Oh yeah, the huge. Yeah, right. He spoke at the huge, and I don't even think we, minus maybe a hey, great class, and I shook your hand. Maybe I don't even think we connected. But uh, Caleb, my son, who you know, Peter, and most of my listeners know, who started the business with me, we were in your class. Right. And I'll tell you, man, it was really impressive. I don't remember everything about it, to be quite frank, um, because it's been a while. That's probably a good thing. (laughs) But it was, it was just impressive back then. So it's just, it was great. And it was an honor once I became your friend. So that's my little Hinchy history tidbit. You take it away. Tell us who you are, my friend. Sure, Bobby. Well, um, you know, I'm I'm more on the side of the introvert. So I don't generally seek out, you know, these sorts of opportunities, but Mm -hmm. you're a great friend. And I, I really respect what you're doing, providing a lot of value for small business owners. Um, I love small business owners. They're, you know, salt of the earth people that, um, that are out there fighting the good fight. So if we can provide some value for them and, uh, and, you know, make their lives just a little bit easier, I think that'd be, that'd be a good thing. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get that done here today, but yeah, I think, um, nothing too crazy going on over here. You know, I started a pressure washing company in 2012 in Tampa, Florida. And, uh, at the time I had just gotten married and my wife was two weeks pregnant with our baby. We now have five kids, so um, family is a big, big part of our, my life. But, um, but I started my pressure washing business sort of out of desperation. You know, I was working a job doing concrete work at the time, very physical manual labor. I would do a little bit of sales for that company. Um, and I started pressure washing as a little bit of a side hustle. That last, lasted for six months. And from there, I just kind of grew it, you know, over time. And now, fast forward a few years, I started an epoxy company, did that for a little while. That sort of, you know, imploded and exploded. And, you know, <laughs> that was a fun, fun, fun roller coaster for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, learned a lot, had some fun, um, didn't, didn't ever make much money out of it, but, but definitely walked away from it, you know, uh, no worse for wear, I guess. And, uh, and, Pro- and I've probably gotten a little minus bit some, real some stress and, and years of your life, maybe I, I would imagine. Maybe so. Maybe <laughs> so. Fair, fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, we started talking the other day because you texted me asking about the SBA loans and about how yeah. you know, different things were going and, and figured we would just get a, get on the phone to catch up rather than, uh, yeah. And I'm glad you did. So, yeah. That, so that's a great, great intro. And it's funny. You talk about the epoxy floors. You're actually why I, 
uh, or well, you were one of you and one other person. I can't remember who it was because it was before like. It was actually before Brandon Vaughn, you know, had got into it and really got everyone knowing about it in, in our circles and stuff. And uh, Before it was cool. Yeah, before it was cool. <laughs> and and I was going to – Caleb and I, my son, you know, we were going to do the epoxy floor thing, and then we ended up not doing that. But, um, but before we get into that, tell me a little bit about this pressure washing company. So that was the – was that the first business you've ever started? Technically, no. It was the first uh, actual legal incorporated business. Fair but I, start, I started, when I was about 10 years old, I started selling various things door to door. I had a lawn business in my neighborhood. So mm-hmm. I had that wiring as a kid and was always out there hustling. Um, you know, my parents, I'm thankful, super thankful for them because they homeschooled me. So um, even though looking back on that, there were a lot of things I would probably say could have been done better about the homeschooling part. One mm-hmm. thing that was good about it was they created a lot of white space mm-hmm. for us as kids and they allowed us to just kind of fill that with whatever we wanted to fill it with. So, so I filled it with doing, doing business things and transacting and meeting neighbors in the neighborhood. And so I, I was always sort of being, being entrepreneurial as a kid and sort of wow. seeking out those opportunities. Okay. I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, now, so when you started in 2012, you, uh, I think it was 2012, you said on the pressure washing side, you said it was kind of out of desperation um, just give us a snapshot of that. Like that was my story as well. You know, I lost my job and I, you know, right. in a new town and blah, blah, blah. And I bet you damn near a third of the people that own pressure washing companies probably do because of something along those lines. Give us the, right. like the emotional snapshot, like what was happening and how did that feel for the guy with mm-hmm. the wife and the brand new baby and what, what all led yeah. to that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, looking back, I would have never wished for certain circumstances Mm -hmm. to be present in my life at that time. But I now looking back on it can see that if it wasn't for some of those circumstances being present, I may have never gotten on the path that I'm on. Mm -hmm. And so to transport back to that time, um, my wife was 19, I was 20. So we got married pretty young. I dropped out of college after going for one year. And, um, you know, we had a baby on the way. So uh, we had about a thousand dollars in the bank and, uh, rent wasn't due for another two weeks, you know, and the, the job that I had was, was not paying a whole lot. And then it had, it was very seasonal too. So, uh, we were coming, coming into slower times and, and I just kind of realized, um, and, and part of it too, to, to go back to, to another piece of it is when it was sort of our dream to, to have a big family to homeschool and to homeschool our kids. And that was one of my wife's real passions and still is to this day as she still homeschools our five kids. But we wanted to say yes to those things. And so we said yes to them, not knowing how we were going to actually create that, that reality. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of like, you know, so, so she at the time was working at Chick-fil-A as well, <laughs> like part time, you know, mm-hmm. she was 19, I was 20. And, but the moment I found out she got pregnant, I told her to put in her two weeks notice and quit her job just wow. immediately because, <laughs> because we knew, we knew that she was the goal for both of us. You know, we were just aligned in this way was for her to homeschool the kids and, and be, be, you know, present as, 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 a, and I believe that's, you know, another uh, soapbox I could get on or rabbit hole we could go down is that is one of the highest and most important callings that a human being could have is to be a parent to a child yeah. and to do that to the best of their ability. So, you know, it get, I think it can get sort of a bad shake compared to a career 
in in today's society. But yeah. you know, it, it, but but you know that that's who's raising the next the next generation of human beings mm-hmm. that are going to hopefully make the world a better place and move the needle in the right direction. And if you if you you know abdicate that responsibility, um, you're you're you know you're whoever's in control of, of that, that younger generation, I, I believe those are some of the most important people um, on the planet. <laughs> you well, know? Let's just, let's just park there just for a second to share some love, you know, with those specific parents that have done that, you know, think of this, think of, you know, yourself. So as a listener or as Peter or whatever, and let's say, okay, um, if someone was going to say Peter or insert the individual here, um, the value that they could bring to an organization and business, you know, their greatest value mm-hmm. would be X number of dollars a year in salary, right? So now let's look at what you think, not what you think you're worth, but like what someone would really pay you, right? Sure. Now let's step back and say, okay, I want to find someone that will be with my kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and not, and it's not even about the time that makes it valuable, but the impact they're going to have on my child's life would be equivalent to that of mine, that I love my children. How much is that right. going to cost? Well, first off, it's not even available. It's not for sale. But, right. <laughs> but if it were, it would cost a right. lot more. That would, that would be more valuable to a parent. If, right, than, right. Than if the parents could be paid, mm-hmm. to, if, if parents could be compensated rightly, for the value they're creating yeah. in the way in, in raising up kids and the love that they put into it, mm-hmm. it would be well into the six, if not seven figures yeah. in, in terms of, in terms of the potential value creation. If you, if you could assign, but to your point, Bobby, you can't go out and buy that. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's, it's obviously a fictitious scenario, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm wholeheartedly with you. And I just wanted to throw that out there to, you know, just sharing some love and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative for uh you know, Melissa was that person for us when she did that. And, um, yeah, good stuff, man. Keep, awesome. keep going, keep going. I, I, I'm good at derailing, but keep doing your thing, my man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so shoot, where were we? Um, well, we were talking about we, this startup and then you were talking about how, uh, your wife got pregnant. You told her to quit immediately. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, we, we knew what we wanted. So we, we said yes to, to business ownership and entrepreneurship. And at the time I, again, had was, you know, pretty much broke. And so I went to Home Depot, I bought a pressure washer for $500, mm-hmm. put it in the back of our 2005 Chevy Malibu, which if it wasn't beaten up already uh, at that point in time, by the, by the time I <laughs> got on my next vehicle, it was completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. But I would bungee cord the trunk of that thing down because it wouldn't close all the way. And I would just go door to door. And I would just knock on doors. I had a box of, of business cards from Vistaprint. And you know, that that was the very, very beginning of it. Um, you know, eventually I put a trailer hitch on the car, pulled a five by eight single axle trailer. Then I got an F one fifty. Then I got a tandem axle trailer. You know, mm-hmm. then I got my first eight gallon a minute machine. So <laughs> sort of grew it up. You know, it grew it up as a and, and it, during this time, you know, back in that day, there were the forums weren't even on Facebook yet. So there were actually these actual. I mean, they're still around. You can go back and look, but there were various forums online, mm-hmm. and I would be working all day. And then I'd be up all night yep. learning That's exactly <laughs> on, on the forums, you know. <laughs> it's the same thing with me. Yep. Sound, sound familiar? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And and because I I was uh, I was the technician, mm-hmm. and when I started my business, I had no mastery over the service. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the mistake a lot of guys make though is they gain mastery over the service and then they're scared of growing the business operations. So they obsess over the mm-hmm. service. Yeah. And, and that's I think it's not a... wrong. I'm, I'm not here to say everybody needs to grow a big business either, yeah. you know? Um, but, but don't lie but to yourself. That, right. Sorry. I'm, I'm shut up, Bobby. All right. Carry on, Peter. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, you're good. I'll, I'll continue the story. So, so, you know, we, um, I get the business going, I've got, um, you know, it's, it's myself and, and, uh, I'm ready to hire my first employee because, and here's another point, you know, that I like to make is always scale and grow your leverage with your tooling before you grow your, when you're starting small. And, you know, so for example, I had gotten all the way up to the point as an owner operator with no employees that you couldn't really wash a house any faster, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it had K-down machines and, you know, all the right stuff. Um, I think this is before the proportioner and was even invented. So, mm-hmm. you know, we were, <laughs> yep. we were downstreaming and, and all that good stuff. And, um, and I had gotten the master of the service and I really, you know, I couldn't, I could get fancier. I could have bought a nicer truck. Mm-hmm. Right. But that nicer truck ain't going to get that trailer to the job any faster than, mm-hmm. right. Than, um, than, than the one that I currently had. So, so I wanted to grow the business and I was looking ahead into the future and being as young as I was, you know, 22 years old, I knew that I couldn't be on the ladder forever. Not that I enjoyed cleaning and there's a lot of days I wish I was still back out there. Yeah. I had, had some great days cleaning just, and I love the outdoors. I'm, I can't work in an office. I even, I work from home now and, and I'll, I'll work for, you know, an hour or two in my office and then I'll go out back or go outside or, you know, uh, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. so I, I have a lot of respect for, uh, for technicians and for owner operators because I know, you know, that's how I started. And, and, you know, I also want to be clear that there's nothing wrong with staying. You can make a great living for yourself mm-hmm. as an owner operator, you know, with, or, or even going a little bit up from there and having a couple, tr- a couple you know, trucks going, but you're still running sales and operations and marketing and HR and, you know, but, mm-hmm. but you're kind of the unicorn that, that holds everything together. And yeah, you might be working more time, but you know, a lot of people think that they're going to, I think it's important to really know what kind of business, like what kind of lifestyle do you want to have mm-hmm. and what kind of business do you, do you want to own, you know, and, and really get that straight at the beginning. And that was, that was one mistake I made, which, you know, we can get into is I got the shiny object syndrome five years into owning my pressure washing company. <laughs> um, I got a little high on my own supply mm-hmm. and thought that, that, you know, I had maybe made it here and like, I got to get onto something else comparing myself to, Yep. other entrepreneurs that have uh, multiple businesses, right? It seems yep. so sexy. And Been there. little did I know, I just didn't realize the opportunity that was right in front of me with my pressure washing company. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought just cause I was running two or three crews that, that, you know, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Yep. And the reality was that was just another shiny opportunity enticing me and, and drawing me away from what was, the real opportunity that I wasn't done with yet. So, hmm. so that, you know, <laughs> I, I want to ask that, you a question, Peter, if you don't mind, I want to, uh, sure. cause you're kind of, you brought up some good stuff, but I, I want to get in before we get too far away from it. You were talking about efficiency and, and things like that earlier, you know, um, what kind of go back and unpack that a little bit. Were you saying that like you, 
if I heard you correctly, and I just want to clarify, were you basically saying, hey, if you've started a, a service business like this and you're on the truck, go ahead and take that opportunity to make sure that the process is as efficient is is as efficient as it can be before you bring people on. Is that what you were saying? If you're in, yeah, pretty much. If you're in the beginning stages of starting your, your company, mm-hmm. you need to get you need to gain mastery over the deliverable or the service mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. and then you need to make sure that you're you're essentially at that point where your truck can't bring any more revenue because you know, like for the the classic example of this would be like doing flat work with a four gallon a minute machine versus an eight gallon a minute machine. Mm -hmm. So, so let's like workshop this real quick. Practically speaking, let's say you had a company that, or or let's say you had an owner operator. He started a pressure washing company. He only did flat work Mm -hmm. and he's growing the business and he's getting contracts with property managers and he's, he's out there hustling. So so he's working seven days a week, let's say, Mm -hmm. and he's just cleaning flat work, cleaning flat work, but he's using a four gallon a minute machine. Does he need to hire employees or does he need to upgrade his equipment? Gotcha. Okay. So that's kind of the steel man for, you know, make sure that you've, you've, you've got the, the, as, the, the, as much leverage as possible with the equipment you're working with mm-hmm. um, first. And then, and then at, when you get to that point, cause when, when he switches to that eight gallon minute machine, he, he can immediately collapse that, that capacity on the schedule and condense that down mm-hmm. into less time, which is going to create more availability. Now, as soon as you're at that point where, you know, you've gained mastery over the service and, you've got the best equipment you can possibly have. Now is really the time where you want to start hiring employee number one. Okay. And then I'm going to, I'm going to approach this just from asking you, you know, like, is it this or is it that? But I kind of want to dig in. I think this is actually really important for new people. I think this is something that I especially right starting out. Exactly. Yeah. And truth be told, I, I can even speak from my own perspective. Um, this might be some good, information for people that may have more than one truck on the road because um if you do some of this stuff peter's talking about wrong is like in the same way little things in a good way can compound as you grow and improve you they can Mm -hmm. do the exact opposite so here's here's my my question or one of my questions peter is uh on the why behind this now you're talking about you know you said the what you want to get mastery and then you talked you know you explained the efficiency is one Mm -hmm. of is one of the whys behind this just as simple as if you have mastery or, or understanding of that deliverable, you're going to be able to more effectively uh, manage and lead from the quote unquote corner office one day. Is that one of the reasons for that? I would say yes, because uh, it's not necessarily like once you get to a certain point, the deliverable becomes a bit less important, Mm -hmm. you know, where, if you were to take me and plot me in an HVAC company or a plumbing company or an electrical company, mm-hmm. the, the way the business is ran at the highest level wouldn't be that much different okay. from a pressure washing company. So, but guess what? To get to there, you have to go through a lot of growth stages. Mm-hmm. And in those growth stages, if you don't understand the, the service really, really, really well, you can make some really critical errors. Got Yeah. So I'm following you on that. And, um, so another thought, uh, as far as efficiency, when you're talking about that, I can kind of see, um, two, two reasons that come or two benefits that come straight from that. Now, the first one is when you are on the truck, 
you know, it's kind of like living at home for free with mom and dad. It's like the only, you know, it's like this is the only time in your life you don't have rent. You know what I mean? Or the only time in your life <laughs> right. that you don't have, uh, you know, this big uh, labor expense. So one benefit I see would be um, that as you are on the truck yourself, if you have that extreme efficiency, you're maximizing what you can make when your profit is maximized because of the lack of labor expense. So you get a benefit there. Right. And, and if you're bootstrapped, that's incredibly important mm-hmm. because you're going to need that 20 grand in the bank, that 50 grand in the bank mm-hmm. to fund the next phase of the company. Because as you grow the company, the margins get tighter and mm-hmm. you, you're good. And, and in, in some cases you might even be running a loss. And it, and if you've got to grow through some of these difficult seasons, when bad things happen to you and when, you know, when costs are, are larger than the demand for your service, then you you know, if you've spent all that money on, you know, on a new bass boat, you're, you're, you're just gonna, you're just gonna lengthen the timeline that it takes for you to get to the place that you're trying to get to. Now, if you're not trying to get to that place and you love fishing, you should buy, buy the bass boat and enjoy life. You know? <laughs> exactly. And then one more step, I just want to ask about this and then we'll get back into it. It's just, this was just a great, I was just glad you brought it up because it's just great for, uh, I see these questions pop up a lot. So then last, as far as another benefit of that efficiency is that um, by the time you're ready to hire your employees, theoretically, you know, you've got your marketing dialed in, you know, how you're getting your your leads and selling your jobs. So you should have um, plenty of work for them. So at that point, once your marketing and the, the, the job flow is dialed in, investments in efficiency are actually very, very lucrative investments at that point because then in that same way that as the owner-operator, you're able to get a lot done and keep the money. Well, now that you have that dialed in, your greatest expense, which is labor, is now as right. efficient as possible once they're on there. So at the end of the day, that's just a really healthy P&L um, tactic. So is that, is that accurate in your mind? I mean, is that, am I following you on yes. that? And yeah. And to build on that, it breaks my heart when I see business owners underpricing their services yep. just because they can, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they could be living so much better, you know, yep. or, or have so much less stress or be able to help the people in their life that need help, you know, whatever they're going to do with all that extra money, if they would just raise their prices, they could do it. Mm-hmm. But it's so unnecessary to be half the price of the big name in town, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you, when I was at that size, you know, I, I made that same mistake doing driveways for 50 bucks, you know, starting out, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we have like a $200 minimum now, but I could have started out charging 150 for driveways and, and, and made all that extra profit, right? Yep. Um, so I really encourage guys, and, and when you do, when you're small, you know, you might think there's so much demand for your business because you're booked out three months and it's just you and your, your, you know, you and one employee. Mm-hmm. But the reality is if you add that second crew, that three months just turned into only six weeks. Yeah. And, and a lot of that was from word of mouth and word of mouth is great, mm-hmm. but you can't scale necessarily just based off of word of mouth. So you are going to have to start spending money on, on ads, right? You are going to have to get a larger facility. You are going to have to get a better CRM or whatever the case. And, and all those costs 
should be built in from the very beginning mm-hmm. to be to, to your to your PNL. So that and 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 the great news about it is it's all just extra profit until you actually have to start paying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the beginning, it's just extra, and then when you start paying it, you didn't have to reinvent your entire business model. You know, there was a time uh, yep. in my business um, when I was like. I had, uh, I can't remember, um, I don't know, let's just call it three trucks. I don't know about three trucks, um, two guys per truck. I was paying this, uh, um, paying this, uh, you know, um, percentages that weren't, I, I should have asked some people what percentage of labor to pay and blah, blah, blah. And realize, right. like, why am I paying all this money on labor and I'm not keeping any money? And then basically I had, you know, I changed everything like just midstream. Now, fortunately I was able to pivot, but I went from, well, you know what it was? I'll tell you what it was is COVID actually kind of saved my ass is the shutdown happened. So there was, there was less work. So I, you know, I had to let a couple of guys go. Well, at that point I was able to pivot to one man vehicles, changed our processes, changed our percentage. And then now I was able to give the techs a raise and actually keep more on my PL, but that could have been right. disastrous and, and the if other, it wasn't, you know, yeah. if a couple things and went the, different. And the other dirty little secret about it is that the cheap customers are the worst customers. And <laughs> the people that are willing to pay, uh, you know, not like top dollar, and I'm not, I'm not saying you should gouge people, right? Mm-hmm. Fair market value for your service. The people that are willing to pay the really the fair market rate for, for, a, high quali- for a high quality service, are the best customers to yep. have in mm-hmm. general. And those are the people that you want to work for. Those are the people that are going to give your guys tips. Those are the people that are going to, you know, bring food and drinks out to them while they're working. And, and you know, A players, rockstar employees and technicians, they don't want to work for crappy customers either. Mm-hmm. And when you finally get your act together as a business and raise your prices, most of those customers are going to churn anyway. Yeah, it, that, that, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> you know, and so, and so you built your book of business out and all that attrition is going to hit you in year three or four when, when you, they call back and you say, I've doubled my prices. Yep. Right. You're absolutely so, right. So, yeah. The, well, one more thing before we move on from this. So you were talking, you know, talking about people not uh, paying enough, you know, charging enough for pricing and so on and so forth. And then you said, you hate it when you see people undercut you know, what they could charge just because they can. So someone's listening out there and says, Hey, I'm just trying to give someone a good deal, yada, 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 so on and so forth. And you know, it's okay. There's plenty to share. Here's some, something to consider. So listener and Peter, you tell me, I'm pretty sure my math ain't wrong. I did it while you were talking, but if I sell a $1,000 pressure washing job, okay. And let's say your net profit in your business is 30%. Now, for those of you that are like, well, I make a lot more. No, your net profit, like if you're doing your P&L right and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So a 30% profit on a $1,000 job would be $300. So, right. uh, you know, if you're, the, if you're the dude on the truck, you know, like you make 300 bucks, let's just say. Okay. Now, let's say other companies, everyone else is charging 1200 but you did it for 1000 right? Well, if you charge that exact same job at 1200 bucks. Well, now your profit is $500 instead of 300, right? So right. it was a 20% increase in the price that was charged to the customer. And you're thinking, well, I'm just giving a 20% discount. But here's what you also did is you gave yourself a 40% pay decrease. 
your personal income went down 40% in that scenario from $500 to $300 because you gave that 20% discount. Because if you can do it at a thousand, every dollar that you charge over a thousand, your cogs are already covered. Your, you know, all of the expenses are already covered. So listener hear Peter, when he says it breaks his heart to see you doing that, you're not doing minor changes to your income. You're doing major, like life changing changes to your income when you sell yourself short that way. If your average margin is 20%, and you raise your prices by 20 cents, 20%, you just doubled your average margin. There you go. So it's pretty simple and can be pretty powerful to the business to, to you know, now uh, peeling back the layers of this, I think the reason why a lot of people are afraid to raise their prices is not necessarily because they think their customers are going to say no. Mm-hmm. I think it's because they may be scared about the level of professionalism that they're calling themselves to by raising their prices Uh, in that way. So if you're going to, if you're going to have a luxury price, you need to be a luxury service provider. You need to be and you need to, and there's, there's always room at the top. So if you can be the best, and if you can, if, and I don't just mean again, the, 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 the actual service, like, yes, you need to be good at that. You need to meet or exceed your customer's expectation. But if you can provide, uh, a, a high quality service experience, then, then you, you know that that's something that is justified by those prices. So, yeah. it, where you where you can, if, if you're if you're uh, if you're going to compete, the, the strongest argument for competing on price would be, well, I just don't have my act together, and I don't have faith in my my own ability to to actually do a good job and provide value to justify this price. And so I'm going to keep my prices low. Mm-hmm. And, and I think raising the prices, Bobby, can also be so powerful um, because it, it, it will force you to become a better operator, a better business owner, a better entrepreneur. And the benefits of those, of those traits and those qualities will spill over into all the other areas of your life. Yep. Uh, period. Well said. I have nothing to add. Great stuff. <laughs> so, all right, so let's get back into Peter. So here's what I want to do, Peter. I know, like, I've probably got more time than you. Uh, your, your time's valuable. I get paid by I'm, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm free till five. I'm free till five o'clock, Bobby. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair, fair. Um, as long as you're on the East Coast, we're good. Otherwise, we got five minutes. So um, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't remember what time zone you're in now. Um, the um, the uh, so you let's do this. Let's kind of fast forward a little bit and talk to us about kind of what the pressure washing companies morphed into. Cause I want, I want to hear the story and I want the listeners to hear, um, you know, spoiler alert, you've, you've got a business failure that we're going to talk about and there's going to be a lot yeah, sure. from that. So kind of give us the, the cap on, and here's how pressure washing has made me a billionaire. Now let's talk about <laughs> this other thing. Yeah. Well, uh, we, 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 we hit seven figures in 2019. That was the first year that we, we kind of hit that mark. Um, it's definitely not as great as they tell you it'll be. So, just, you know, <laughs> send to anybody out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's great to grow, grow a business, but it, you know, top line is just a vanity metric. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people love to talk about top line. Um, and you know, bottom line is what really you know matters. And it, it's cool to see growth and, and there's mm-hmm. certain, 
benefit to that and the ability to grow something is a skill set and then the ability to make it profitable is kind of another skill set and as a as a business owner if it's just you and you don't have any partners bringing those other skills to the table then it's up to you to provide both sides of that coin to, mm-hmm. to both grow it and make it make money because you know if it doesn't make profit it will cease to exist eventually yep um so um so the business you know it, it I'm very thankful because it's, it's afforded me the ability to, you know, uh, move to a different state for one thing, which, um, nothing, you know, nothing against Florida, but my wife and I really love the mountains and, you know, it had been our dream even since our, our, uh, you know, early years to, to be able to leave Florida essentially to move more to the mountains. So we live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We love it here. Um, you know, we live on a mountain and it's just what, it's what we wanted, you know? So, so the business has, has, you know, been able to, to provide that and um you know just the, the unique opportunity to, we lived out of an rv for 16 months and uh and traveled the country and and did, did that whole thing um and 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 then just you know for me being able to being able to be present in my kids lives you know to be able to sit down in the sunroom and read chronicles of narnia at 3 p.m on a thursday afternoon yeah um and, you know cool. the, the, to me the, those sorts of things or to be able to take my son Steven, who's 11, on a on a rafting trip next month, you know, for a week out in Colorado with some friends. Like being able to do those sorts of things are what really make it worth it to me. And you, you, you know, you eventually you can get to the point where it's less work, but you <laughs> you you have to go through a lot of sacrifice and suffering, you know, to get to that to that point. And um, it, you know, I think another thing that people don't take into account is it's it's all the non-cognitive skills that really make, make, make the difference. Like, um, the, the hard stuff in, in business so often is, is not the actual, uh, uh, you know, uh, like business mm-hmm. set of skills. It's more the character set of the, the character that's required to, to be able to go through those lows and those highs and not, not lose yourself at any of those places. That's interesting. I, I, you know, that's, I didn't think that was what you were going to say, but uh, unpack that a little more. Like I heard you say, you know, I hear you when you're saying going through the lows and the highs without losing yourself, but, um, yeah. But yeah talk to me about that. Sure. Yeah. Well, the lows are very, very low, you know, mm-hmm. and the highs are, are very, very high. So if I had a whiteboard, I would draw something out for you here, Bobby. So picture, you know, what a wave, what a wave, what a sound wave looks like, mm-hmm. like a squiggly, up and down peaks and valleys up and down peaks and valleys right yep. now take that sound take that sound wave and point it up at a 45 degree angle mm-hmm. so it's it's going upwards essentially <laughs> okay. at, a, at an at, at an incline right mm-hmm. so in the normal life that society kind of just says you should just kind of jump into this mold and have a nine-to-five job and you know and again nothing wrong with that but it's not it's just not for everybody and yeah and I think that more people should should be business owners than than actually realize it. Yep. Yep. But you know, the, the in in you know it it's a trade off between security and safety, and then outcomes. So the, the 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 peaks are higher and the valleys are lower, but the trajectory is going up essentially, and the every peak is a little higher than the last peak. And every valley is just a little bit less lower than the, the last one. So, but it, but it can be so nuanced when you're in the grind that sometimes you don't even see it. Yeah. And so, so you can feel like you're, you're back in this valley. You're back in the exact same place I was before where 
I'm barely able to make payroll once again, or, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I thought I'd never have to, uh, you know, fire the, this person from this position. Like this, I failed to hire for this. <clears throat> um, but, but when, when you zoom out far enough, it can be really hard to do when you're the owner of the company. But when you zoom out far enough, you, you realize that usually the, the, you're trending in the right direction, but, but you're, it's just a volatile climb. So it's, it's volatile, but volatile in the right direction. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, I, I don't, again, I have nothing to add to that. That was well said. And, um, I can relate to that. And so for me, I mean, I one of the, one of the, one of the valleys, one of the valleys was one of my companies going out of business and having mm-hmm. to shut it down. Um, okay. and you know, going, going through that, that was the, the epoxy company. Good segue. So let's talk about it. So you started this, you, when did you start this thing? Why did you start it and take it from there? Yeah. So I started it in, I want to say 2015, 2016, uh, right, right around the time that I was getting bored of pressure washing and, didn't really realize that that there was more to uh, you know I had such a long ways I still needed to go mm-hmm. in my pressure washing company, but because I wasn't really surrounded by the right people and the right you know I, I just I, I, I was I think I had blinders on you know I kind of had I didn't wasn't really see the opportunity I had for what it was so uh, so naturally you know as uh, many of us uh, kind of maniacal entrepreneurs like to do we see something else and we go chasing after that and um and and you know and i want to be definitely careful with what i say because i want to say that for the for the people that that were involved in that company i mean i had some great great friends i mean and and we had some amazing times and i would not you know like i I wouldn't i wouldn't even though i realized it was not the i I made a suboptimal decision at Mm -hmm. the time to start the company Mm -hmm. i can still look back on it and and be thankful for the experience and be thankful for, for, you know, everyone who was involved. Um, you know, when I started it, I was, you know, I was able to talk myself into it because I said, well, in the slow season, we'll do epoxy jobs. And then, you know, I'll use some of the people from over here. You know, it's, it's really easy to talk yourself into things as a, as a business owner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, you're right. You know, whether, whether, yeah. <laughs> whether it's adding services or, or, you know, adding a new business or something. Um, and sometimes it's a good idea. You definitely, you know, but, but in this case, it, it was just a, a, such a, such a change of, so I, I ran the company, I ran both companies for the first year. And then I realized this is like, I can't have one foot in this camp and one foot equally in this other camp. I've got to, so at that point I brought in a partner who had worked for me for two or three years and had, had moved up within my pressure washing company. He was like really like my lead paper sealing tech at the time, mm-hmm. the most detail oriented. He had just proven himself to be an absolute A player and super smart too. He's like, you know, kind of one of those guys that you hire and you're like, like, wait, why are you, why are you doing this job again? You're like better than this, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's just like, like, like you, like you could, like you could be doing something different. Like, why are you sticking around <laughs> here for, for this much time? You know, he, had, he was just really smart and really, you know, great character and, and so, so he became my business partner and I, you know, I, I invested in the company and started it and, uh, I owned half of it. He owned half of it. And, um, and, and, you know, he ran the company for four years for me. And during that time, the company ne- never got to seven figures. We were, we got close. We were on the way there, but, um, but what happened is 
he became such uh, he became so skilled and made such a name for himself in the industry because of the type of person he was and the, the, the just the skill you know he learned how to install all the urethane cements and court systems and he just became extremely knowledgeable and well connected and so he ended up creating for himself a better opportunity and he got got hired to run the epoxy division of a big 600 you know employee contracting company oh, wow. and um and so so he left the partnership for something that was you know for him just a much better a much better situation and mm-hmm. i was truly happy for him i encouraged him to take the the position because uh, you know, for where he was at and, and he had been grinding hard to grow this business for, for three or four years. And we were putting all the money back into the company, never took a profit distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, there's, that, that's, that's not an, e- not an easy life, you know, um, yep. worked in 50, 60 hours a week consistently for, for three or four years. And so he had really earned this and deserved it. And it was the right thing for his family. So, so he went on to that and I almost made it a full year running the con running the company, um, again. And then it, it got to a point where, where I had to, you know, it was clear to me that I was going to need to, uh, choose one or the, one or the other. And mm-hmm. that, that company in through COVID went through some, some very, very difficult things as well. There were some legal issues, battles. There were, uh, vehicle accidents that, that happened. There, there were just a lot of, you could just say, you know, unfortunate events that, that we encountered. And, and so we, I kept the business going using EIDL loans, which mm-hmm. were not personally guaranteed. So was able to sort of, you know, we needed those and mm-hmm. there were, there were some, you know, fluctuations with the demand. And so, so I was using that, that money to keep the, the company alive. Right. Yep. And, and so it got to a point where, um, where I, I sort of told everybody, you know, I'm not, I can't write any more checks to this company. Um, it's just not, you know, it, cause it, for the amount of time that, that I'd been trying to make it work and get it, get it, you know, get it going. And it needed a more hands-on approach to, yeah. and I'm living in a different state. Right. Mm-hmm. So one, one of the lessons here too, Bobby is, you know, be careful what kind of seeds you plant in the ground because they may, they may grow into things that, no longer really serve you the way that you thought they would, yeah. you know, several years down, down the road. And, um, so, you know, really just, just a bunch of different factors with, so there were financial reasons there were, you know, my, and then my lead guy, he got a job at, you know, somewhere else and, and he was going to leave. So it was sort of just like so many different factors. And I had to decide, do I want to, um, you know, continue to try to, to make this company work mm-hmm. and, and is it going to be worth it? And, and that for me in the position I was in, I just had to say no, you know, and I had to, I had to choose to, to shut the company down and just unwind it. Do you feel that you did it as early as you should have, or do you think you waited to like, were you kind of in the sunken cost fallacy for a while and kept giving it time, giving it time or, <laughs> or how did that pan out for you? Yeah, I would say there was probably a good opportunity to close it down right at the time that my business partner left. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just not in me to give up without a fight. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I got to go down swinging, you know, and I, I, I kept that company alive as long as I possibly could. I mean, in the end we were, I was even selling equipment 
to, to be able to keep it going longer. Mm-hmm. Um, equipment, equipment that we didn't need. One of the things when my business partner left, it cut the company in half more or less because we couldn't do commercial without him. Uh, yeah. He was the guy and he was the, the guru when it came to these commercial floor coatings, which are incredibly complex to install many of them. You need a, you need a large crew, you know, he could run a great crew. Um, I didn't have that person immediately. Um, you know, we, we started integrating some commercial floor coatings again, uh, later last year. And we did some, we did some cool projects. Like we did a fantasy of flight uh, out in, you probably know where that is out in Orlando, yeah, towards yeah. Orlando off of I-4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did a big, um, a big floor over there, but so we started doing that a little bit more, but, um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, the, the loss of the business partner was one thing, the, the, the EIDL loans that were, you know, went to operating expenses and, and all that sort of thing. That was another factor. So let me ask you this, you know, for the sake of the listeners, maybe hearing a, a good, you know, learning perspective there of uh, what, if you could go back in time, but you have to start it. So, you know, an option is not, I never, <laughs> never would have done it. Um, what do you think you could have, you know, what do you think what, uh, you could have done without changing your life? Like you're still in Tennessee. So let's say we don't want to change that right. stuff. Could you have, uh, with hindsight, kept it going? I think I can, it's so hard to make know in, you know, in the moment mm-hmm. that you need to make the optimal decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas looking back, it could be so clear. I think that what I would, one of the big sort of cardinal errors that I made in, in that company was never really bringing my value to bear in the, in the business partner relationship. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. And then, and then not fully capturing the value of what my business partner had to offer. So we were very different in that he was an incredible operator and an incredible integrator, very gifted in uh, management and in operations and in, you know, he's just extremely detail oriented, mm-hmm. um, extremely disciplined and, and could, could understand these really complex, you know, systems and operations and lay everything out perfectly and stage the product out and just all that. But he didn't really know which direction the business needed to be headed. Mm-hmm. And so he, we, he was going in a lot of different directions at once. Like we were looking at lots of different niches within floor coatings, like niches within industrial floor coatings. Like, and, and we would do so many one-off jobs of different kinds of systems. But so one of the first, one of the things, and we, so we grew the company up to about 600,000 in revenue. Um, doing like half residential, half commercial. Mm-hmm. And I never really questioned it. I just sort of figured he knew what he was doing. I wasn't too involved. I had a, you know, I had a lot of other things going on. So I never really, I never really challenged the direction he was taking the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so at however, this point, you were not playing like yeah. that, that the Gino Wickman visionary role at that, at this time, you know, you had a guy that, could, but I should have been, but okay. Right. Yep. I should have been though. I should have came in and said, we're, why are we not offering storage solutions on residential garages? Why are we not offering, um, you know, like why, why are we focusing on, you know, these types of commercial jobs that, that our margins are garbage on, you know, like when I stepped back into the business a year ago and realized, wow, like we're leaving all this. Why aren't we doing pool decks? You know, like, and, and so we started, it, we started integrating these, these things and I, I brought, I got the revenue, like it, our revenue was cut in half or worse when he left. 
and we had to cancel jobs, you know, in, in some cases, commercial jobs that were in the pipeline, we couldn't complete. Dang. And then, but so then I started marketing and, and going specifically after residential because that was what I knew more how to do. And, um, and we started offering racks and we start and the average ticket started going up and the margins, you know, sort of, they did start getting better, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, but it, it was kind of just too little too late, you know, yep. ultimately in the end. And, and, um, and I would have loved, I would have loved to have been able to, to work it out in the amount of time. And I kind of, you know, I was coming close to the one year mark and it, it's important to, to not get sucked in. You know, there's, there's such a pull and such a draw that can that can happen to you as a business owner here's here's a, here's an example bobby you know i have these bird feeders that that hang in the back of my house mm-hmm. and the seed falls out of the bird feeders onto these wicker patio loungers that are in the back and the little seeds get stuck in the pieces of the the wicker essentially right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the squirrels are so focused on getting that seed out that you know what they did? They, they destroyed my wicker furniture. They <laughs> ate through, they ate through the plastic. This is like this nice outdoor furniture, right? Mm-hmm. And the squirrels were so focused on getting that seed out of that, that crack in the furniture that I came home one day and they had just chewed both of these, these lounger chairs up to pieces. Mm. And we can be like that as business owners where we're so focused on something that we decided that we want. Like whether Damn. it's for that business to succeed or that we destroy everything else in our life, everything else around us. And we just wreak collateral, collateral damage on everything and everyone. <laughs> Damn, and that, that's, I, that's, a, fuck, keep talking. That's good. good <laughs> I, I can well, relate. And, you're, you're, and, you're reading my mail, yeah, man. Dude, yeah. I'm, I'm reading my own mail. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, I've, I, you know, I've been like that squirrel so many times and I didn't want to make that mistake with this business. And I put in what I could put in. I gave it all that I could. And, and part of this is about borrowing bandwidth. Like what, maybe we could pause here to talk about how, like managing your life through the, the intense seasons of entrepreneurship, hmm. because you, there's these, it's a, it is a sprint based life. Like, it, it, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's um, not the even keel steady effort. It's, it's super intense, incredible effort. And then rest. Yeah. And then super intense max effort for a certain period of time and then rest. Like that's typically what gives you the best return on your energy. But we would like it to be just sort of predictable and smooth sailing. But that's just not the reality because life throws different things at your business. And so it's definitely, um, yeah, it's definitely, it requires. um, so, So when it comes to borrowing bandwidth, like there's, there's been seasons through my, of my life with my family where I've had to sit, sit down with my family and say something to the effect of the next six months is going to have to look like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a set of challenges that I need to overcome. There's a set of objectives that I need to achieve and to try to be you know realistic and then say, I'm going to put a, you know, a timeline on this, but I'm not going to lose myself to this pursuit. And if it doesn't work out, there's this is the eject button and this is when I'm going to hit it, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was kind of with with the epoxy company. I had to I had to uh, make sure that I got out before it sucked me in too far. <laughs> that that I couldn't yeah. couldn't escape the the gravitational you know pull because sometimes these things they they can become your identity and I think that's 
a big key too to to managing you know a business ownership in a healthy way is don't let your business become your identity yeah. it's not it's not what you want to be remembered for no not at all I, dang peter for an for an introvert you have talked a lot and brought a lot of value today bro I, this has been a great episode um how about I just be yeah, quiet I hope, and you hope, talk hope for I said something helpful. <laughs> I'm just going to shut up. You talk for another 30 minutes. I just won't say a word. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's because of the great questions you're asking, Bobby. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So, well, Peter, let me see this. You know, let's just, just jump straight at it. You know, you've had a lot of people yeah. that you've helped out. You know, people ask you questions, you know, and so on and so forth. What are some, you know, for that new listener out there, the guy, or, or maybe they're not a new listener, but maybe they haven't started yet. Maybe they have, they haven't got that far, yada, yada, yada. What are some common red flags you see? You know, what are some things that you would say, Hey, newbie, look out for this. It it hit me or it hit all these other people that I know. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Let's see. So this is particularly Bobby for a, a more of a newbie, more somebody who's more, yeah, um, uh, let's say the starting person, out an entrepreneur. Yeah. The, the person that's dreamed about being the entrepreneur, they finally decided they're going to jump off and do it. Where do the, you know, where do these people miss the mark in the beginning? You know, like an example, right. an example One, could be the email sure. thing. You know, they, they look at it as a, as a trade instead of as an entrepreneur or, you know, something like that, you know? One thing that I see as a common mistake is learning about how to learning about how to do things is not the same as doing things. Hmm. So let me try to unpack what I mean by that. A lot of you guys should just probably turn this podcast off right now and go start, you know, cold calling, knocking on doors or or optimizing (laughs) those new new features in the CRM that you've been ignoring that you Hmm. know are going to take some some time for you to figure out how to optimize and, and integrate in your CRM. Right. Um, but, it, it's so we live in this age where information is a commodity. It's free. It's everywhere. And, and good information. Like you can find really solid content very easily around any topic or any goal that you have in life for the most part. And it's easy to get stuck in the trap of thinking that, that learning about doing things is actually creating some sort of an outcome. Now it is important to, to cut your learning curve as much as possible. So I'm, I'm an advocate of education and I'm an advocate of podcasts and, and books about business, but, but the, it, it's also so easy. Like as soon as you realize what the path is to a certain thing, you should just do that thing. Not, not put on the next piece of content so that you can, you know, because it, it can, it, these things create dopamine hits, you know, we yeah. hear something good on a podcast and, Oh, that feels good. Like, Yes, that's so. That's oh, so true. That's, that's gold. So that's amazing. That's just so deep, and it's but, not, yeah. But then we don't do it. But what are you going to do with it? What are you going to mm-hmm. do with it? Yeah. So having a better ratio between intake to, to output, um, and and not forgetting that that you know all of these things that you read and listen to, in and of themselves, they're not they're not doing anything operationally in your business. Mm-hmm. In reality, yeah. they can. If you turn them into action, if you turn them into, so, so trying to, to limit, um, what you expose yourself to, if you, if there's clear things that you've learned that you know would help be helpful to you and your company, do those things and then consume the next piece of content. Yep. Um, so that's, I mean, that's one thing that I think is the easiest way to find out if something's going to work or not is to just go try it. (laughs) 
you know, and, and ultimately, um, you've got to get your hands dirty. You've got to, you've got to spend some money. You've got to, mm-hmm. you've got to actually try just, just, just give it a go. And then that's when you're going to get the data that you need to know how exactly do we need to do this thing? Yeah. Right. The, some of that data can come from the planning stages, mm-hmm. but I, I would probably argue that maybe only 20, 30%. I mean, the rest of it is you're going to have to figure out how to make this work in your business in real time. Yeah. Well, and, and, let's and face, in, a, in a way that works. And let's face facts with, you know, this audience, you know, the people that are listening to this show, you know, these are people, um, you know, most of the listeners are going to be um, low barrier to entry business starters. Right. You know, that's kind of the theme here. And right. Well, you know, I, I'm saying all that. And, and part of, I just kind of want to get back to the whole, Here's what I want to say to those people. This is what I'll do because I don't want to add to it. You're, you're just really nailing it today, Peter, is, guys, you need to listen to this stuff. Um, you know, when Peter's talking about there's not a lot of data that's really going to be that useful for you um, in the planning stage, like, let's just make it real easy. Like, here, here's the data mm-hmm. you need in the planning stage. You need to know Yeah, that, and can I, can I add one more thing to that, yeah, Lonnie? Yeah, please Since do. Your, would be – don't listen to the person who is 10 steps ahead of you. Listen to the person that is one or two steps ahead mm, of you. That's good advice. That's good advice. Yeah. Like, you know, you want to be, you want to be watching closely and following up to the people that, you, you know, you can still, you can still read an autobiography on Steve Jobs or something like really high level or, you know, <laughs> and, and you can, or, you know, get stuff from that. But that's going to be more like around the philosophy of business or, you know, like higher level stuff, it's not going to tr- be as actionable for mm-hmm. you. And so if, if you're trying to, you know, if you're in a, a low barriers to entry company and you're trying to learn how to make it work and you're fighting a good fight, um, you know, try, try to find, you know, uh, somebody or a group of people, you know, maybe a mastermind or something that, that is with people that are trying to do sort of the same thing you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, that are not so far ahead that, that, that the advice they're giving you is, you know, for how successful you're hopefully going to be 20 years from now or 10 years from now, not, not where you're trying to go uh, this year and next year. Mm-hmm. It, it, excellent advice. And, and like, you know, following up with that, it's like when you're starting a little company like this, you know, the, the, the bottom line is you're going to have to talk to or get in front of enough people to get enough leads that you can sell them. And yep. you're going to have to be able to go do the thing, which whether that's cleaning the thing or delivering the thing or whatever the thing is. So w- on day one, you know, when you're wanting to start your business, a business like these, you know, that we're talking about, um, you don't have to know your pricing because it's okay to get some on the job training. So we were earlier saying don't undercut your prices, but I would much rather see someone get off their ass, go out there, right. sell a job spend eight hours doing it and realize they made realize, realize they priced it too low. Yeah. Realize (laughs) they made, and then, but you know what, that, that person is light years ahead now of the other person that has been looking on Facebook for four months because they need to, they're they're, they're learning on the job. Exactly. Right. And when you're learning in the real world. Yeah. Well, Peter, I'm telling you, there's a house or a house, there's a church that's not far from my, my house. I drive by it 
basically every day, you know, pretty much every day, at least twice. And um, every time I drive by that damn place, I think of a job that I did for them. I charged 300 bucks to do it. And I think, um, I think we spent a total of about, uh, probably about 50 man hours on it. 300 bucks, bro. Mm -hmm. You know, but we like, <laughs> you know, I quoted the job as the right. job and we stuck it out. Well, let me tell you something. I, I do remember this. I remember that's where I read the 10 X rule, you know, on audible, I, you know, like I remember mm -hmm. being there, you know, I listened to some, some <laughs> good content, educated myself. I learned how to do a better job identifying post-construction versus maintenance cleans. I identified how to do post-construction better. And I sure right. shit made sure that I never sold a job for 300 bucks that I spent a week on. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I, you know, I did that. And even though that sucked so bad, you know, well, we said this right before the podcast started. I think my quote was failure is the, is usually the harshest and most effective teacher. And, um, right. So being, being willing to just get out there and fail and not worry about, you know, back to the whole point of this, where Peter was talking about, that education, you're going to drown yourself and you're never going to start your business, or at least you're going to be way behind from the guy that get out, got out there and broke some eggs because all you need to totally. know is you need to get some jobs. You, you know, you need to get some leads. You need to get some jobs. You need to do the job and then find out where the next weakest link is. And then you start sharing that up. You know I mean? That's yep. success in business, Bobby. It's about iteration, not repetition. There you go. There you go. There the you go. difference, the, the difference is that, Iteration is when you change something, you tweak something, and then you try the same thing again. Mm -hmm. And and merely repeating something doesn't make you better at it. But iterating on something, having many shots on goal, yeah. um, that is what gives you the environment, the learning environment that you need. And you don't remember most of the things you read in business books <laughs> or hear <laughs> on business. Like, if mm -hmm. we're just being brutally honest, mm -hmm. but you definitely remember things that costed you $10,000. Yep. Like you definitely remember say a failure, right? Whatever that, whatever that meaningful amount of money is to you, whether it's $500 or $50,000, if you make a mistake and it costs you that amount of money, you damn sure you will, <laughs> you will remember what you did wrong, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, and, and iterate differently next time. So, so you just don't get the same, if you want to really, you know, grow your, your abilities, and your capabilities as an entrepreneur, you've got to get out there. You've got to, you've got to be, you, ha, you have to have an action bias. I like to call it where, where your bias is to take action. You err on the side of action. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I would say to, to be totally fair, Bobby is don't forget that sometimes even minor risks get realized. Even what? And what I mean by that, sometimes even risks, that were very small, like there could be a, just a very small, small chance of failure with a project or with, with a venture or with mm -hmm. a bit, but that risk, that risk could still get realized. Hmm. And, and in business, it's, it, and we said this earlier, I think maybe it was before we started, but it's, it's all the non-cognitive skills that the character-based skills, yeah. skills and that, that, that really makes the difference mm -hmm. when you can get, you know, T take those losses and, and go through those really d low difficult things where if the business is not your identity, you can get through those things and it doesn't destroy you. And you, you come out the other side smarter and more competent and you try again, but the trying again 
requires the character, the grit, the determination, the work ethic, the perseverance, the stamina. And without, without that, right, you can be the smartest business guru, but if you don't have the character, so if you told me that I had to either lose half my knowledge in business or half of my character in business, I would sacrifice the knowledge instantly hmm. and hang on to the character because it's the character that's going to give you, give you success in the long term, not, not the, the knowledge per se. Damn. Peter, we're ending there, man. That and I'm preaching beautiful. to the choir right now because, because there's still many challenges. You know, like I just, a couple weeks ago, Bobby had an employee, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how much I can even share, but he was, he got arrested. Let's just say he had stolen stuff from his own life and sold it to other of my employees oh. <laughs> and, and or, or, or gr- girlfriend rather, I think yeah. it was, I mean, so, so I've been stabbed, you know, in the back and in the front and all, all the other locations, but it's, it, you have to be able to go through those sorts of things and not get jaded and not, not lose your soul, you know, and say, you know what, did I get the short end of the stick in this situation? Sure. Did I, but I'm going to be the bigger person and I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to, um, I'm not going to, I'm only going to focus on what I could have done better to create a better outcome in the situation. And in as much as I'm being, you know, disparaged or mistreated, or it could be from a customer, it could be from an employee, you'll get it from every where it could come from. (laughs) If you, if you stick around long enough and if you can, if you can go through that suffering without giving up and, and stay the course, you'll, if you can just endure to the end and hang on, in most cases, things will get better. Peter Hinchy, thank you, man. <laughs> thank you for doing this with us. Um, hey, totally, man. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking to you. Well, you're freaking awesome. And listeners, um, Peter's not someone that's got, you know, I asked him if he wanted to, and he's like, nah, I don't, I don't got anything. Oh, wait, Bobby, I forgot oh. to tell you, I have a course to sell. Oh, do you? Well, let's sell it. Let's do it. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I asked him, I said, you got anything to, that, that you want to promote, you know? And, and he said, no, no, I'm good, man. I just want to uh, I just want to help out, you know, the new guys. And I said, hell, yeah, let's do it. So, Peter, for, I know for a fact the audience uh, is grateful for this. So, on their behalf, Thank you for sharing a lot of knowledge that you sure. paid the, the the iron price for. If anyone's watched uh, Game of Thrones out there, and uh, you know you earned that knowledge and, and paid that price for it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And listeners, remember always, forever, if you're not doing the things that you want to be doing in life, you better have a damn good reason for it. But if you're not pursuing those things, there's no good reason for it. Peace.